I remember my mother sent me a letter in the mail and she wrote a little magic marker. She left a $20 bill. She said, I know you need that and don't leave, baby. I love you. And I didn't go. That happened. So I called her and I said, guess what happened? Because Richard Pryor after the show found me and he looked me up and down like I was a strange animal. He went, he was a funny mother and walked away. And we was like, ah. and I called my mother. I told her what happened. She said, I told you not to leave. The love of a mother um, is unlike any other. Tommy Davidson telling the story of how he was ready to pack up and leave L.A. because his dreams had not been fully realized. His mom sends him 20 bucks. And not too long after that, he's at the comedy store performing with Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy. His story is pretty amazing. It also solidifies the fact that he is a legend. And he is also our guest on this edition of Naked. Got to pay some bills. We'll be right back. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. AT&T connects and ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest in sports and entertainment connected with every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. They girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected with. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a new edition of Naked. Uh, you know I like to do a little news update. And I and I received a few messages about the Alabama brawl. Uh, I talked about that last week before we interviewed Stephanie Mills, Made in Brooklyn. If you haven't checked it out, please check it out. One of my favorite podcasts. I'm so hot on Brooklyn. Like, I can't get off Brooklyn, y'all. I'm from California, but living in Brooklyn in my mind, right? But today, uh, before we get into Tommy Davidson... Uh, the iconic comedian who you may all know from In Living Color. Uh, He's been on tour forever. He's known for his impressions. Uh, He has had a life. He will talk about that with us today. But before, before we dive into that, I want to talk about what happened this week in the world of sports, the world that I live in so much. Shakiri Richardson is now the newly minted 100-meter world champion, uh, and she won 
gold at the World Championships in Budapest. I don't know if you remember Shakira Richardson. She came onto the scene with a lot of flair and flash, and we loved it. Black Girl Magic, we loved it, we loved it. She was 19 years old. She had just declared that she was going to turn pro after the NCAA championships. She was a freshman at LSU, and she was leaving college to basically go to the Olympics. She had qualified for the Olympics, and we loved her because she had everything. She was unapologetic. She was beautiful. She was fast, and she talked that trash, but she could back it up, seemingly. And unfortunately, just a few days after she qualified for the Olympics, she tested positive for marijuana, and that immediately voided her results, and she could not go to Tokyo. However, what ensued after that was a combination of social media hype. How come the Black girl is getting vilified? Why isn't she allowed to do what we've seen other Olympians get away with? Russians have been cheating. They're still allowed to compete. Michael Phelps was smoking weed. He was still allowed to compete. The list goes on. Shakiri adding to the narrative by going to Twitter and talking about it very unapologetically, as mentioned. And she was like, I just don't trust this system, the IOC, which is the International Olympic Committee. They don't operate um, in truth. They are hypocrites. I'm paraphrasing. But none of what she said was wrong. Everything she said was right. But this was one of these instances where I thought, hey, Shakiri, you're right. But I don't know if you've earned the right to say that just yet, just because you're so new. Um, there was an instance in which there was some back and forth and Allison Felix went on a show and wished her well. And she jumped on social media and was like, people who wish me well don't really mean it. We didn't know where that was coming from. There were a lot of subliminal messages and it seemed like a lot for someone who had so much to prove. Perception is everything. And oftentimes we want our heroes to behave or act a certain way until they've actually earned that grizzly vet respect. It's like a rookie coming into the NBA talking mad trash and can't back it up. It's like Dylan Brooks going after LeBron James and saying things that he just can't fully say. Although he's a great, great player, he doesn't have the hardware to back it up just yet. We like your trash talk, but hold on. And Shakiri said just a few days before she won the world championships, in regards to what people thought about her, she goes, listen, I don't really care about what people think. The world already turned on me. I disbelieve in me. And she's referring to a very public pushback to her tweets, to how she handled herself, to her response to uh, the Olympic Committee, to everything. She just was loved by everyone. And then all of a sudden, people started to, in her words, turn on her. And I lived in the camp of follow the rules, but as a Black woman, I get where you're coming from. But I also lived in the camp of some things don't need to be said. In fact, most things don't need to be said. Keep that to yourself until you earn some cachet to really talk about the experience in a way that gives you perspective. Now, you can't tell a 19-year-old that. A 19-year-old is going to be 19. And as of late, especially within the last year, we've watched her win race after race after race. And she's been quiet. And she's put her head down. And she's not saying the things. In fact, all of her frustrations with the Olympic Committee with the way in which track and field athletes, um, how they are being treated. She has now started an advocacy group and she's advocating for their rights. She's using her voice and her platform in a way that is constructive and we can digest that. But I started to think, why did I require her as a black female athlete to behave or conduct herself in a certain way? And what I realized is that as a black woman, I didn't want her to have to deal with the things that I had to deal with. I, too, spoke too soon. I, too, used to say things. I, too, used to light the world on fire. I, too, used to say, this is not right. You can't do this. And I'm waving my hand to say this, that, and the third. What I realized is that there's a time and a place for everything. And also how you say it is arguably just as important as what you say. And I felt a way about her being so unapologetic without filter. But I don't have the right to feel a way about that. 
because inherently as a black woman in a world that doesn't really understand us, it is oftentimes the only way that we can express ourselves if we feel like we haven't been heard or seen. And I started to think back about how female athletes, but more specifically black female athletes are treated by society, by social media, by those who don't really understand the complexity of being a black woman in this world and how we show up. And I started to look at some of the egregious or what were, at least in that in that moment, it was seemingly egregious offenses or instances that involved black women. And I realized this is crazy. We really don't do anything wrong. You all want us to behave a certain way and you won't even allow us to come up and be our full selves. And when we are, you beat it out of us. And the older we get and the more experience we get, we decide, all right, I don't want to I don't want to pick up that that baton, if you will. I do not want that fight. Serena Williams wearing a cat suit at the French Open was a scandal. Get out of here, guys. Naomi Osaka saying that she wasn't going to do any more press interviews during the French Open and she'd pay the fine because she's mentally exhausted with talking to the media after every single match. She's just not ready for that this time around. Scandal. Simone Biles taking a mental break during the Olympics and not performing or not participating in certain events because she said, guess what? I just don't have it. I'm, I'm j- I, I lost the beat. Too much pressure. I need to sit down. How dare you sit down? You're here to represent America. Angel Reese making gestures at Caitlin Clark after she won the national championship. Talking is a rite of passage once you win a championship. And yet she was vilified for doing the exact same thing Caitlin Clark had been doing leading up to the final game. Then there was this athlete. I don't know if you remember her. Olympian Gwen Berry. She was at the U.S. trials leading up to Tokyo. And she put up a sign that said, athlete activists. Exercising her First Amendment right. All of these things were written about. Think pieces. Comments on social media. 30,000 comments left telling her what she did wrong. The same was true with Serena. The same is true with Naomi, Simone, Shakari. And you would think these women actually committed a murder. You would think they robbed someone. You would think they took kittens and threw them on top of a roof. Like you, whatever you can think of as the most egregious offense, you would think that they've done those things. But we're talking about simple actions to be themselves, to exercise their First Amendment rights, to be honest, to be true to who they are, who they think they are, and bringing their full selves to work. And all it does is send the message that As a black woman, you cannot bring yourself to work. Your full self, that is. I already knew that. So why was I so disappointed that Shakiri was trying to express herself in the way in which she knew how? The only way in which she knew how. Why didn't I say, hey, you're 19 years old. It's okay. You'll figure it out. Fast forward. Nearly four years later, she has figured it out. And to Shakiri and all of those alike myself included, we have to give these women space to grow and be in these new environments because I could not imagine the pressure that they are under. We are so quick to judge, so quick to be to be as if we are offended by their behavior. We don't even allow them to make mistakes. I don't want y'all to know what I was doing when I was 19. Thank God social media wasn't a big deal. Or perhaps around. <laughs> but I find myself at this stage saying I was wrong for judging Shakari. And I'm asking everybody to give her some grace and mercy because we all deserve that. And that's how I feel about Serena. I've come full circle on Serena. People will say A, B, C, and D. I think she's lovely. She's lovely. She's earned the right to be who she is. Take it or leave it. I don't care. She's the GOAT. End of story. Period. Done. No more. And I feel that way about so many of these great female athletes. Because if they were men, this wouldn't even be up for debate. It just wouldn't even be up for debate. If it was LeBron, James Harden, Kobe Bryant, rest in peace. He wasn't loved, but never vilified. 
He had his moments, but winning solved all. Now, it could be the case here, too. Once you start to win and you do your job and you put your head down, perhaps people start to respect you in a way. With that being said, take a minute, go check out her page, Instagram, Google her, show her some love. Her words, the world turned on me. Just let her know that the community and the culture still has her back. She needs to hear that, whether she says she does or not. And with that being said, today's guest, you know him from In Living Color. You know him from, like I said, various films. Um, I know him from his impressions. Tommy Davidson has been in this business five plus decades. And, and one of the very first things that I get into is how long have you been able to sustain or how, more importantly, have you been able to sustain? And he's worked with the likes, like at the very beginning, the likes of Jim Carrey on A Living Color, Jamie Foxx, J-Lo, Fly Girl. He used to do comedy tours with Dave Chappelle and Martin Lawrence, two other people from D.C., because that's where he is from. I don't know if you heard of that. Martin Lawrence, he's from D.C. You heard of him before? Dave Chappelle, I think you heard of him too. Anyway, I sit here and I think this man has lived some life and he has worked with and has been a part of some amazing, iconic projects. Comedy that can narrate your childhood, if not your adulthood. You can go back and watch it now and it'll still make you laugh. True classic. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this edition of Naked with Tommy Davidson. You, uh, I called my friend, a really good friend of mine. Her name is Kendra Carter. She's been in the the world uh, for a minute and she has met you in a few ways. And she's always thought, well, you're so great. But she also said something that I think is important. You have been able to have a career that has expanded and lasted for such a very long time. Why do you think that is? One, God loved me a whole lot. <laughs> that that That's the first and most important one. The second one is... I always have emphasized on quality, not quantity. So, so I, I didn't need to be doing a thousand things. I, uh, um, I don't need no billions and billions of, of dollars to do something good. It's a standard. <laughs> it's a standard. So, and I, I do know that quality tells. You know, you wouldn't think so these days. Yeah, because it's not it's not about quality these days. It's about it's about who's more popular. It has nothing to do with quality. So so I was I was raised in an era where being an entertainer, quality was first. What era so would you think, call that? What era is I, that? I, what time I, I, is? Oh, that? that's easily that's easily the seventies. Easily the seventies. Um, up to now, but but I think the people any any African Americans that are in the in, we're in. The 70s, their formative stage was the 70s. So we grew, grew up with a whole different type of music. You know, a whole different type of, of society is really, really different then. So we, we bring those forth. We bring the stuff that we experience forth, you know? And so that's why. I, I would agree that um, you are quality and you always finish well in terms of all your projects. Like you, and that most people would obviously... Uh, bring up in living sink in living color rather, um, and and so many wonderful comedians, yourself obviously included, were born from from that special show. How was how was it, or how did it feel working on such a project? And did you have any clue where Jim Carrey or Jamie Fox would land um, while you were all in the midst of working? I had every clue in the world. You know, we were we were good and we knew it. We just we just we just were, were um, looking for that opportunity. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm like I'm like the people I'm from. We good. We know it. <laughs> we ain't we ain't gonna press you about nothing. What's supposed to come our way uh, is gonna come our way, and, and 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 we got the faith to show it. So so and that that's what it's about for me. You know, I I'm, I'm on full scholarship from from the ones before me. You know, so they, they had already put faith in me. So, so here I am, you know, and I knew it. We, we, we didn't get on the air for six months after we shot the pilot. Hmm. We was already, we were all ready to go back to the clubs and start over building ourselves up. 
you know, and it got it got picked up. I knew if it got picked up, it was going to be good because it's actually good, it's <laughs> actually funny, you know, funny in a way is is expressed by audiences sometimes like this. Oh, that's funny. Uh-huh. Wow. Sometimes uh-huh. it's expressed it's expressed like, ooh. But the best way it's expressed is that. <laughs> you know. And that's what it was. And that's exactly yeah. what it was. Yeah, you're gonna I- get the laughs. I'm curious, um, because you were such a part of iconic television, that's like, that's Americana for me. What was it like week in and week out filming? Um, was the process similar to what I hear about Saturday Night Live? Like you all sat around a table and had to make people laugh and they said, yes, that works and no, that doesn't work? No, nah, not at all. It's like being in detention in high school or something. You know, <laughs> you're going to have fun or else. You know what I mean? So it's, it's just like the, the, the best atmosphere you can imagine. Like, here we are, we're all talented, we all love each other, and we just have having fun all day long. And wow. then when the cameras come, you better watch out because we're going to have double fun. Double fun. We, we're inviting the whole country to the party. <laughs> and that's the, and that, that was us. That was us, man. I feel like when I hear these stories, um, and I've interviewed a lot of comedians who've been a part of <laughs> this iconic moment, it makes me, it makes me um, have a little bit of FOMO. Fear of missing out. I hate that I missed out on such a process because I ain't never it had heard to be. that. <laughs> it's, right, it's, such right. a pro- it's such a beautiful Fomo. process, and you guys are all so amazing. I, I, I'd like to talk about your childhood because you've talked about how um, you had a rough childhood and you were ultimately adopted mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, by white parents, mm-hmm. and you didn't really understand what the racial barriers were until until you moved to DC. Yeah, can, yeah. Can you walk me through that process? I, I of, find of course, that fascinating. Of of yeah. course I could, but then you mentioned the word amazing. So, and it's so amazing, <laughs> amazing. You know, I, I, when you hear that, love has been good to me. Okay, rest in peace. Uh-huh. Not a single day. You know, <laughs> and he was a really good friend of mine. We 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 um we knew each other for years. He was he was one of the first people that I performed with. Oh, wow! And before he lived in college. Yeah, and took me on the road, took me on the road, even Anita Baker for that tour that they had. Um, DC for me was a shocker because I didn't know I was black coming into it. You know, uh, I didn't know the things that happened to me until way later in life. I didn't understand what was going on until way later in life. But I found out that I was left in the trash, that a woman found me random. She, she raised me. In, in the Midwest. So I grew up in Colorado mm-hmm. and Wyoming. Wow. And I didn't know I was black. I didn't know what black and white was. All I know is that, you know, if, it, if, a, if a brown cat had kittens, there'd be a white one, gray one, speckle one. So I thought people were like that. How did you not know that? Did you went to school? No one let you know when you were in school? No, no other children? Because, you know, kids are mean. No one said, hey, you're different than us. I was five. And, and where I lived, it wasn't really affected by that. Racism wasn't really, um, I wasn't affected by it at that point. It existed. It existed more than now. But at that point, just personally, I, had, I hadn't um, confronted it or, or been confronted by it. My family was a very loving family. So all I knew was that I was a very loved, loved little boy and had all the opportunities that anybody else would have. Beautiful. It's when I moved to D.C. that... I got the concept of black and white because we moved to D.C. in 68, right when Dr. Luz, uh, uh, Dr. King was shot and killed. So we moved in during the riots. Mm. So, so that one blue was a mind blower. Mm. I was like, okay, things are on fire. There's soldiers. What's going on? We need tear gas. <laughs> and so we settled in in Northeast Washington. And uh, they call it Trinidad Northeast. Trinidad Northeast. Mm-hmm. And... um. We get there and we go to play with the other kids and, and the other kids whipped our ass every day. Mm. They were calling my sister, my brother, White Cracker and calling me White Cracker Lover. Wow. So I was confused. So I'm, I go to my mother and say, you know, why, why are they calling me White Cracker Lover? I like graham crackers. 
you know, <laughs> and being serious, you know. Yeah. He said, well, that's what people are color call people your color when they don't like them. I said, well, what color am I? She said, you're black. I said, no, I'm brown. I learned my colors in crayon. I know I'm right. She said, well, that's what they say. So I thought that was stupid. Like, how can you call me? How can you hate me for a color? I really ain't. And then we moved to the suburbs. It was the same thing, but in reverse. You know, the white kids, well, grown not kids, men and teenagers, I'm six years old, were chasing me home. Kill the Nick, kill the Nick. You know, um, barely getting in the house. Hmm. And I went to my mother. I said, Udi's Nick. We need to stay away from him. Because they all seem to be two good people, you know. And then she said, that's what people are color copy but in reverse. So that was really, really um, coming up with all of that going on. And, you know, uh, D.C. is majority black. That's the city. So I had a lot of physical conflicts because I always had someone trying to hurt my family. And no matter how old they were, I had to face them, you know, and um, it was what I had to do. And it's okay because I still turn out to be really loving, really down to earth. It's, it's, it's what, it's what shaped me into just being, I ain't just, I'm, you won't get that from me. I'm just a person. No, I'm, I'm a, an African person, a person of African descent. Uh, the category is African-American mm-hmm. and that's that. You know what I mean? So it shaped me the right way. I have a book called Living in Color. The book is appropriately named Living in Color. So you can't tell me that something bigger ain't happening if I end up on a show called In Living Color. And I lived it. See? I lived it. And I know it. I know what it's about. And I got a lot of insight on real love because people could say, you know, you, you heard it, it seems like um, you hear it a lot. You know, love ain't got no color, you know. Well, if you really, really look at it, it don't. But you really got to look at it from a very fundamental elementary point of view. And I'll tell you what it is. When a tribe or whatever you want to call it, a village of whatever, way, way back, okay, came across another group of people. The women from that color tribe said, those men look pretty good. And the men from there said, those women look pretty good. Thusly, we all look different. Mm-hmm. 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 So I don't, know, I don't know if we love each other, but we love something. We love something because everybody is the same. I, I'm, cu- I'm really, really curious. You now have, I feel like, not necessarily it's a full circle moment, but Growing up in D.C., where you learn the good and the bad of what humanity looks like and how people can be great and how they can be not so great, you now have a new show called The Union based in D.C. How, how do we get back to D.C.? How do we get back to your roots, if we will? That uh, the, the miracle that came about in the first place, you know, to, to, to go out to Hollywood, which is so far away from the way I grew up and so far away from the D.C. experience or, or even the East Coast experience, you know, New York City, Philly. Um, it's just, how could that come about if there wasn't something, something that was really happening good and that was, was not temporary, was something that exists. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how racism is, racism and sexism, you know, they're isms. Mm-hmm. They're not wasms. Yeah. You see? Yeah. And, you know, it's an ism. Me. And see that. We we just is. You know? <laughs> so so to be back makes total sense. Because the city that I come from has been one of the top African American cities in the whole country, in the world, since it's been around. Mm-hmm. You know, I can go back to entertainers like Duke Ellington, mm-hmm. Marvin Gaye, to to people like uh Petey Green. Uh, to go with uh, uh, Mary Mary Perry, mm. just outstanding, and 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 uh, and many 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 multitudes of uh, multitude more of intelligent, family oriented, professional or blue collar, but get it done, 
and get it done right. And so, so this city deserves union. It deserves a TV show. Deserves to have relationships broadcast into the, the, the world. Especially since the, the, the native residents, the African-Americans, you know, have been displaced in a way. Yeah. What better way to bring it back together than to have a, a, a television show started? You know, but, but the D.C. Commission on Television and, and Film Entertainment is the one who came up with the concept to bring entertainment back to Washington, D.C. on the level that it is in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And, and why you, not? And why not? It makes sense. And I'm and curious. Why not? Hey, y'all, I got to pay some bills as I normally do. Not me, but Black Effect and iHeart have to do that. So you know how to get past this point. You could just like fast forward that little 15 second button, you know, just fast forward, fast forward a couple of minutes. We'll be right back in just a few moments. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected with At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't me? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion. And girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment can make it work. Hey, everybody, welcome back to this edition of Naked. Tommy Davidson still here. Uh, and in between being uh, very vulnerable and naked and honest, he's also given us a few impressions. This man just does them, just spews them out. Did you know he actually has a few singles out on Apple, Apple Music? I didn't. You're welcome. I asked. You mentioned DCE. Tell me what Union is about. I know this is the very first streaming show of its kind on DCE. So what is your, tell me what union is about in your role. It's just about, it's, it's like the proud family, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's about 
us being a part of humanity and not outside of it. You know, it's like um, like Africa, where we're from. Yes. It's not outside humanity. We're not like in some zoo. We're a part of humanity. As a matter of fact, we created it and the things that sustained it to be able to su- survive to this point anyway. You know, so if you got cheers and you got friends, well, you better say cheers because we're going to be chilling with our friends. Yeah, you, <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah. And our friends don't just have one race of friends in a major yeah. city. Yeah. That, that, that's, a, that's a fairy tale. Yeah. You know, we as real as it go. Yeah. You know, the whole nine yard. <laughs> Chocolate City, all the way. And we're 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 not a we're not uh we love hip hop. We're not a hip hop city, we go go city. We're not yeah. from, from LA. We're not we're not from we're not dirty south. You yeah. know, we who we are. I think that our closest cousins would be Philly, probably. Really? Really? That hey. makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. That makes sense. That would be our closest cousins. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Every, um, I love DC. I think anyone who's been there can appreciate it. And yes, you love go-go music. You love what it brings. There's so much power there. Um, how do you, in this show, talk about the power in the Black experience while addressing humanity? Because we should be a part of the power collective in many ways. We talk like we really talk. <laughs> you know, we talk like we really talk. We talk about politics. We talk about we talk about relationships. We talk about business. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about um, aspirations and goals. We talk a lot of sh- too, yeah. like everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but most of most of all, we talk about positive. We talk about you know getting ahead or knowing how to get ahead or learning how to get ahead. You know. Or learning how to be the best that you can be. You know? And that that hasn't gone anywhere. That hasn't gone anywhere. We have not... The only thing that African Americans have done here and, and at large globally is get better. Get better at who we are and what we are. You know, don't let the last eight years fool you. Because, you know, once we ran the world for eight years... Look like they're trying to get us to forget. Correct. And that was just one of us. Yeah, correct. Can you imagine? And there's 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 a billion. You're correct. So, you know, we 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 stand firm as anyone else who loves their culture and loves themselves. You know, there's a Korean there's a Korean community that's that's orbiting around the black community. There's a there's an East Indian community that's orbiting around the black community. There's an there's a uh, East Indian community that's orbiting around the black community, a Vietnamese community that's orbiting around black communities. There's and uh, uh, back in the forties and 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 the Industrial Revolution, there were Polish families orbiting around Washington D.C. Or, orbiting around a majority black city. So it's just it's just the time for us to orbit around ourselves. Mm-hmm. Get it union. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. So Frankie has something like that. Frankie has something like that. Uh, uh, can't understand <laughs> why we treat each other this way. <laughs> things we do, right? Yeah, right? You, I we do. Got our love. You and no have, matter how it's said or done, you do the best impression. We are the best. You need yeah. a whole album of just you singing by yourself because you can sing. You, do we well, have that? You, Did I miss that? I'm missing that because I'm I'm now in the music industry. I, I just had my my biggest song single. It's called Kid Zero. So you go to Apple, you go to Apple, Spotify, go and get it. I have another one called I Know featuring Richard Elliott, and I also have wow. an, another one called um, Sweet Reunion featuring Dave Cobb okay. and many many others. Coming with was collaborations with artists. Oh, Go that's Apple, great! Use music, Spotify, check it out. And 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 the good thing about that is I yeah. I started singing first. Tell me more. Since I was a little kid, four, I was singing entertaining. I must have won. I must have be, you know, fifty five and oh, as a kid <laughs> with the talent show singing. Undefeated. Yeah, undefeated. Mm-hmm. Undefeated. You know? Yeah. I love it. I so love it. The last that. time I lost 
a talent show was when I decided to sing instead of do comedy. And a friend of mine from D.C. told me, don't, don't sing because everybody do. Your comedy is unique. And I said, man, I'm a sing and I lost. You so, know what? So, I never uh-huh. even asked you that. We got into all of this. How did you, uh, this is so bad on my part. How did you get started in comedy? I know you moved to LA and I know you had, you made friends with some of the greats and you ended up being this amazing show and your career has expanded and you've had TV shows and you've been in movies, but how did you start in comedy? What was the genesis of that for you? My friend Howard, who grew up hey with Howard. me. Okay. Hey Howard, he out there. If he ain't out there, then you can, you can talk to Monique or, or Sheila or Cartoon or Harvey or. Leah Monique, you know, he got a lot of privileges, but he's the one told me, you know, you stupid, you stupid, <laughs> man. You don't even know. You could be in Hollywood right now doing movies and all that. And you happy to be an assistant chef at a Ramada in Virginia. He's like, come on, man, you're crazy. So he looked, he um, made me go down to the worst strip club in DC, the penthouse. And, <laughs> and there was a mic available where the guy said, he gonna let you on stage. So I went there. I stood there for a while. The guy turned to me and said, all right, you go ahead on. And I turned to Howard. I was like, well, what do you want me to say? Howard said, I don't care what you say. Just say something. Mm-hmm. And from the first thing I said, people laughed. And within a year, I was in, I was in Hollywood. And wow. now I'm talking to you. It happened. Wow. 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 So wait, you were a chef at the Ramada in Virginia. Howard said, you wasting your time. Let's go to the strip club. His open mic. You go. You don't know what to say. First thing you Mm -hmm. say, they start laughing. And then at that moment, it just clicked like this is what you were going to do for your life. It had been there the whole time. Uh, Assistant chef. Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I was qualified because I was working, working as a prep cook since I was 15. So the chef knew me. So when he got the big job, he took me with him because he know I knew what to do. Uh-huh. So wait, tell me more. I'll go back to the chef, the assistant chef gig in a second. So then you do this at the penthouse. You everyone loves you. Do you just start performing there every night? Do you start finding local uh, clubs to go up and do open mic in the neighborhood in the DMV area? What happens next? It was a, it was an avalanche. It was an avalanche. You remember um, Mason? Um, Mason Puffy had to join. What's the thing about comedy? <laughs> and it, so it went. So, so it was like, it was like, I ended up uh, doing talent shows. I ended up doing concerts, opening concerts. And I just, it, it just started rolling and rolling. As a matter of fact, there was a television show that preceded Def Jam and all of them. The first one was here at Howard University. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that was the first, you know, Andy Evans was a brilliant guy who said, we should have a TV show just with black comics. That was the first time. And um, so I came from that centrifity. The first time I went to a comedy club for open night, I mean, open mic night. I met Martin and Dave Chappelle. That's how we met. You see? Two two other small names that came out of DC. <laughs> two other tiny you know? little names. Yeah. I think I've heard of them. I yeah. I read that you lived in the same neighborhood as Dave. Is that true? Or you guys kind of grew up around one another? He got, I lived in Silver Spring on 16th and East West Highway. He lived a little further up. So yeah, he lived, he lived, he didn't live in my neighborhood, he lived near it. Okay. So, so where he lived, everybody went to play basketball, you know? So he, 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 he basically isn't from my neighborhood, but he's he from around the way. Can you point to one single moment, whether it be um, a show, a comedy show, um, a TV show, um, a movie, something that really defined your career and established you as a comedian, mm-hmm. a premier comedian, a part of that, that OG cast of greats? Mm-hmm. I think it was the night that I went on in the main room at the comedy store, which was the, 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 the real deal. And I got put on the show with Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor. And I was thinking I was the host. And they told me, no, you're on the show with them. You all do a half an hour each. And you're, you're sandwiched between the two of them for four shows. So. Amazing. 
So I turned, I turned it out. I turned up. Y'all say turn up, right? Yeah. Yeah. The kids still say that. I, how amazing. Listen to Aww, that. Look at you. The, I like that. The kids that. still like say that. that. The main room, you're talking about here in LA, right? And you were sandwiched between Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing that well in all the other rooms. So it was my turn to get in the big room. And, um, I didn't, I didn't disappoint. I was like, I was like, I looked like Michael Vick in his first season. <laughs> so watch out. They couldn't catch you. They couldn't catch you. <laughs> uh-uh. uh-uh. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah, what yeah. Was it, like? it was Were the you best nervous? night of my life. No, I wasn't because I had gone from having two little cars and a job to taking the bus. I ain't never, I didn't think you, you was going to catch me on the bus for the rest of my life. You know? Uh, we used to do laundry and go get groceries on a bus. Are you crazy? So, so here I am catching the bus, you know, Mexicans with cowboy hats on. Somebody got the bike (laughs) tied to the front of the daggone bus or whatever. And I'm like, and a bus stop from all that, from being at a bus stop, you know, and, and, and working at, working at delis and making ends meet and staying out all night, every night doing comedy. And I was about to go home because it was just like too much. I had a job. I go back to D.C., do my thing. And then I did that show. I remember my mother sent me a letter in the mail uh, before that show, the week before that show. And it was one of those big legal, on the legal, yellow legal paper, you know, yep. long ones. <laughs> and she wrote a little magic marker. She left a $20 bill. She said, I know you need that. And don't leave, baby. I love you. Yep. 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 And I didn't go. And man, that happened. So I called her and I said, guess what happened? Because Richard Pryor after the show found me in, in the little room I was in. And he looked me up and down like I was a strange animal. He went, he was a funny mother and walked away. <laughs> and we was like, yeah. And I called my mother and um, I told her what happened. She said, I told you not to leave. Heartbreak. That makes me want to drop two thug tears. I appreciate that. What a great moms are wonderful, right? Yeah. 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 And so that to me um, is truly a defining moment. And you are one of a few who can say that you've witnessed that to have Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy. Oh, man. That's unheard of. People people would like to die and come back and see that happen again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so the stuff that I've been able to do it's amazing as a result of as a result of you guys. Yeah. As a result of my audience. Yeah. You see, the stuff I've been able to do. I I drove the Goodyear blimp over the Super Bowl. I I, I drove the Oscar Mayer Wiener Wagon truck. I was at Bozo Studio. Um uh, I did so much stuff that that you I I I traveled the world for three years for a TV show on ABC that I was the host of. And I traveled during the, during the, during, uh, I traveled during the elections, you know, you know, with Trump, I was gone, you know? So, so I was, I wasn't even in the country. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot from that experience, but all the things that I've been able to do. What did you learn from that experience? This, you, you're saying you were not in the country while Trump was running for president, but you traveled. Yeah. Did you, what did you learn while you were gone? I found out that you can get the black off you. They don't look at us like like we looked at here. You know, when you when you're you know around abroad, you know, there's just like oh, there's a, there's another human being. Yeah. You know, not hey, okay, that's the black man. You know, and so you can get the black off you. You know, and so it's 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 right away. You feel a little more relaxed. Yeah. You know, not that this country is a bad place for us it's just it's history yeah. has influenced our fellow citizens that aren't black yes they look at us in a certain way sure yeah yeah everything is you're saying is true like no yeah. one's denying it it's absolutely fact the country's right. built on racism ism it built this country we built right. this country and it is what it is i no one would deny that yeah yeah yeah. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment, connected with.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare at&t connects an ode to podcasts connect the alarm change the podcast you stream connect the snooze 10 more minutes to dream connect the shower Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion. That girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. I think it's very interesting that comedians, I believe, and I think are the most astute in terms of how, of how of how you all observe behavior and politics and how they work together. Um, was it intentional for you to always have comedy that was thought, thoughtful, thought-provoking, and obviously funny as well? It's hard to blend the two. I think um, that it all was a combination of what was already there. Okay. And then what how it came out. How it came out was the stuff that was already in me that I was taught or that I saw. You know, I saw, you know, I was taught, you know, I want to, I want to start wielding a gun and hanging out with my friends and robbing and stealing and, you know, all of that stuff. And my mother threw me out the house. Mm. So you can't not come back here at all. And, um, that was hard for me because everybody in the community respected her. And one day she walked by and everybody said, I'm Mrs. Davidson. I said, hi, mama. She kept on walking. Mm. So I had to go. I went home, knocked on the door. She opened the door with the chain on it. Yeah. One eye. She told me, you, you get a job, you can come on. Bam. I closed the door. So I went and got a job at IOP. Cheated on my little work permit. You know, I had to be 13. I, 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 was, I had to be 14. I was 13, but I got the job. Came back, she opened the door, she sat me on the couch, and she said, you stealing from people who are just like me. You know, you ain't doing nothing sexy. She said, the last thing you should be doing is trying to take something from somebody. Because there's three ways that you can live. You can live from taking things from somebody, Right? You can, you can, there are only, she said, there are only three ways to make money. 
She said, you either inherit it, which your people haven't inherited nothing here, right? You either work for it or you either take it. And only two of those things is acceptable here. So I started seeing the world that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. What I do is a job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What I do is a job. When I go here, I go to a little grocery store. Just like when I, when I was at um, uh, the hospital I used to work at, you know? Go put a little gas in the car. Uh, yeah. Whatever. This yeah. is a job. Yeah, it's a job. It's all a job. Yeah, everything is a job when it's all said and done. Hopefully you can make it a career, but it is a job. I, 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 I am curious, um, before I let you go, because I'm thinking about you before being... Before I let go. Go, no. sing it. Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in. Um, be, I, do you still cook? What's your favorite thing to cook? Because it sounds like you can burn. Like you you, you had all these different mm. positions. Can you still burn or no? Yeah, I got different things, that I, different cycles I go through. Mm-hmm. So I'll I'll go through a a, a, a state cycle where I want to <laughs> do the traditional, you know, ribeye and make you know that thing with some nice French green beans and some white rice and some mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. I'll be in a, a more extravagant mood and do a three tortellini oh. cheese pasta okay. with baked salmon with a cream sauce, capers, sun dried tomatoes. Tommy's Sorry. restaurant open is yeah, open. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's get, open. Oh yeah, I can go into uh, a Jam- the Jamaican move and maybe do some curry goat or you know. So, and I eat like we eat. You you rough. We we eat heavy. <laughs> we eat heavy. You know, we eat heavy because yeah, we have Yeah, we need we it. We need it. And yeah, everybody's heavy group of people, boy. We mad because you you can stay so thin. That's what we mad at. Because you can eat and stay so thin. And we want to know and if you're mad at you. Yeah, you know well, it. I listen, I work at it. You just, you, it seems like it might be more easy for you. It's a, it's a job. Remember, we were talking about jobs a moment ago, Tommy? It is a job <laughs> to stay fine. It's I, a get job. I get that. I get that. <laughs> um, I get that. When does Union premiere or has it already premiered? I want to know. I want to tell the folks where they can find it. You know what? I'd be lying if I told you I knew. Okay, great. I got to do some more homework on that. Okay, but, we, we will do the homework too. Yeah, the, the easy part is now mm-hmm. you only got to ask a question. You can just go uh-huh. my phone. <laughs> Rap, you know. And I'm I'm losing my mind because while we were on this interview, I was like, "Where's my phone at?" <laughs> you on your phone? You doing the interview with the phone? The, I, by the way, I've done that too. Don't be embarrassed. I had a little mini panic. I was like, "Oh, yeah, oh, oh I'm, I know I'm on this, but it's, where my phone?" Yeah, yeah, you it's know? our brain. It's our brain. Um, Tommy Davidson, you're such a pleasure and and, and a true legend. I'm going to get you out of here. It's been a little over thirty minutes. Thank you so much for being so gracious. Uh, thank you. And, and hey, yes, you can't have a great interview without great questions, man. Mm-hmm. Man, thank you. I'm thank thought, you for some I, great questions. I really am. I really am a fan, and I and I've watched you forever. I don't want to just say that, but you've had you're you have some really truly iconic stories, and I hope you know where you live um, in history for us for the culture. Thank you. I hope thank you, do. you. Okay. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Good. 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 God luck to you, girl. You Thank you guys so much for listening to this edition of Naked. And remember, remember, remember this. Remember this. Respect Tommy Davidson because he's a true OG. That that those original gangsters OG that title's thrown around a lot. He is an OG. Uh, he started an entirely new wave of black comedy, and he sits atop with the greats. Maybe not a big platform like them, but he is a great. Do not forget that. Secondly, 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 go send your girl Shakira Richardson some love, and give her the grace to make mistakes. Give her the grace to be famous and figure it out. Give her that grace to be a black girl in this world. In a world in which when we show up, it can be so very complicated, so very hard on us. And we don't need somebody else being hard on us. Let's give her some love. I appreciate you all for listening. We will be back next week.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.